Ladies and gentlemen, kicking off the first stop on his world tour, our new president and prophet, Russell M. Nelson! You say you want some revelation, well here you go. It's gonna blow your freaking mind. Greetings brothers and sisters, welcome to the weekly Mormon News Roundup, where D-Days and crew are going to ruminate on the great and spacious Beehive. Uh, this is October 8th, 2023, episode 80 coming at you. We've got more general conference reactions more Tim Ballard updates, and much, much more. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm at mormonnewsroundup.org. You can send me an email to kolob at mormonnewsroundup.org. I'd like to invite onto my program my incredible co-host here, Jane Christie. Jane, how's it going? Hey, I'm great. How are you? Hey, I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Now, what is your, um, who are you, Jane? What's your one-minute Mormon story? Uh, one-minute Mormon story. Uh, Mormon convert married to a non-member. Uh, my kids have left the church. Uh, my husband still thinks it's completely nuts, and I am in a really nuanced place. I have a special needs son, and church just couldn't be made to work for him. So yeah, so I'm I'm here. Uh, all my friends left the church, and so I, what I wanted to do was to um, talk about some of the reasons why they were leaving the church. Uh, talk about some of the pain that they were experiencing, the kind of things that we would talk about in the foyer uh, that were wonderful and exciting. Um, so I started 21st Century Saints uh, with some friends in a bid to have those conversations. And uh, all this time later, they still left. That's the that's the end of the story. And uh, yeah, so we, we we still have the podcast, which is which is uh, really fun. Yeah, uh, let's, talk, yes. let's talk about that. 21st Century Saints there. You um, got a number of videos on there. What is 21st Century Saints all about? What do you do uh, at 21st Century Saints? We wanted to talk about what it's like to be a Latter-day Saint in the 21st century, that we don't have to fall back on 19th century patterns of doing things and patterns of thought that are extremely unhealthy. We wanted to talk about the things that we are actually experiencing today. Uh, gender issues, um, abuse, things in the news, stuff that you couldn't talk about in class or if you did you know everyone would leave or or you know in the exhaustion of always having to be that person in the wards that I think most of the audience have probably been the person who sort of puts their hand up and has to say well um but I kind of think this and introduce those conversations gently so we wanted to try and be a place where we could have tough conversations uh focusing on the lived experience but here in the United Kingdom with this perspective that wasn't in the bubble, but it's also kind of in the bubble. There is um, not so much of a um, a membership here who know what's happening in Mormondom, if that makes sense. Um, you know, it's, it's to be a, a Latter-day Saint here, you have to really, really want to be a Latter-day Saint. So there's a lot of stuff that people just aren't maybe aware of. So those are... Th you know, when someone comes across it and it become, you know, becomes really, really tough to deal with. Who do you talk to? Uh, all your friends are leaving. So, yeah, I wanted to have a conversation that kind of holds the door open, that if you want to leave the church, this is a place where you can have those tough figuring out moments. And if you want to stay that, you know, we're holding the door open, that there is a place for you to stay and also have these beliefs that the church in a lot of ways is you know, problematic and unhealthy. And so here is what 21st uh, century Latter-day Saints look like. Yeah. Now, you're also a member of the Brit Bengers. Um, that doesn't that's not necessarily a podcast. That's just kind of a it's kind of an association. What is the Brit Bengers all about? 
me and my podcasting buddies in the UK really need a lot of affirmation and attention. We have very big egos, so <laughs> we needed a grand title. Okay. Um, it was kind of lovingly dubbed uh, by by some of the fans um, way back when we were first all kind of hanging out together. So we all met through Sunstone UK, which is coming up just shortly. I think maybe we can talk a little bit, a bit about that shortly. But um, yeah, we, we met one Sunstone and we just kept, um, you know, sort of bouncing ideas off each other. Um, Peter has embarked on this love affair with Peter my dear friend Davis. Peter Bleakley. Right, Peter. Okay. Now, now is, is, adores you. Um, and yeah, he, he, he needs better standards then maybe. <laughs> well, well, let's let's face it. He hangs around with with us. Um, so yeah, <laughs> he so he is um he's one of the Brett Avengers. He does his um multi-hour epic podcast. We have Nemo the Mormon. Um, Priesthood Dispatches was in this space. He's taken a little bit of a rest from uh, living his best non-Mormon life. Um, and so, yeah, we we all kind of, uh, and the guys from Sunstone UK are also part of the Brit Avengers. And so, yeah, we the UK podcasters, we um, disagree all the time. We, you know, push back and we um, support and it's, it's such a healthy space. And yeah, we, we're all sort of pitching in and helping with whatever everyone else is doing. Yeah. So the guys have been incredible. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Um, you know, I can't recommend you uh, anymore. Your podcast is very, very important. What you guys have accomplished is really, really amazing. Um, and that does bring us to our Mormon joke of the week, which I believe that you have for us, Jane. Oh, so I mean, I not to feel on the spot or anything here, but Scottish people in comedy, we we get presented comedy. You know, we don't show up and do it ourselves. You know, unless we're Billy Connolly, and let's face it. Um, but no, this is this is a true story, and it's such a Mormon cliche that to be able to tell you that this actually happened um, just brings me utter joy. So my youngest kid is um is now with us permanently and when they first came to live uh, with their family um they are non-binary they are this just wonderful human being but at, at you know at 14 years old they've, they've come in and we're having these conversations around do you want to um join in the young women's program online do you want to because i'm one of the leadership in the ward at the moment so i'm having to explain mormonism from the get-go from the ground up and um and it's you know it's, it's sweet it's nice it's not you know doesn't reflect their gender in any way at all and we would sort of change some of the the language around it to you know instead of we are daughters of heavenly parents we are children of heavenly parents um i would just go ahead and do that but after one particular class and keep in mind this kid does not know our family that well <laughs> or our religion that well and uh and, and my kid is like, can I just ask, why do you guys keep talking about the erotic priesthood? Oh, no. Okay. That's... Now, we've all heard that, <laughs> but it happened. That is what we say, and that's what the kids are hearing. So, yeah. Oh, so, that, our... could, that could yeah. be the Scottish accent coming through. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, if you do need subtitles, hopefully we'll avoid the explicit rating language for that joke you know we've had a couple of raunchy jokes on there but right. that, that one's good but if you look at my background here jane look i've got the scottish highlands in the background here so that's oh I'm, you are fancy today yeah, yeah. nice very nice mm -hmm. now i also have a joke of the week here which i want to share with you and here in the united states we had a, a national test here a couple of days ago where they sent a text message out to every single person in the united states
United States to check the national alert system here. And somebody made a joke and said, this is a test of the national wireless emergency alert system. The purpose of this test is to let you know that Tim Ballard has been excommunicated. <laughs> it's just a joke because, you know, we everybody got a text message. But of course, it wasn't related to Tim Ballard. But Tim Ballard, you know, he's it's all the rage around here. It's, it's absolutely incredible the attraction that Tim Ballard is getting and, um, you know, what, what is happening with his story is just incredible. Now, uh, in particular here, uh, Lynn, Lynn Packard, um, he has been doing a series and this is a bona fide real journalist. This isn't conspiracies. This isn't just some guy on Twitter. Lynn Packard has been an established journalist for many, many years here. And his OUR report number 32, which actually I just watched this morning, is absolutely incredible. And he comes to the conclusion that uh, Tim and Russell Ballard are lying about their financial dealings in this report. This is a must watch if you're interested in the Tim Ballard, which I know maybe over across the pond, this isn't as big of a deal for you guys. But over here in the United States, it's a big deal. And this is basically one of the sum ups here, uh, Jane here. Vice reported on witness interviews, quote, uh, this goes through the entire, um, it goes through all of the evidence of it, that yeah, these guys were thick as thieves. They were extremely closely related, which of course begs a lot of questions. You know, if you have a long-term relationship and you're propping up as, as, as Russell Ballard had a long-term relationship with Tim Ballard, who, and they engaged in shady financial dealings and a lot of misconduct, how how was he not aware of the issues that were involved with it, considering the fact that Russell Ballard also uh, propped Tim Ballard up in devotionals at BYU? Presumably, you know, he prayed about the content of those devotionals. It's just one gigantic mess over here, and um, it's getting more more and more shoes are dropping over here. Any thoughts on this uh, latest revelations here, Jane? So I I guess I more have some some questions than than thoughts. Um, th there is something that that I was going to share, but um, j just to check. So yeah, here. I, there isn't a lot about this. Um, it's bizarre because the movie has uh, come out in the cinemas and it's kind of flying more under the radar here. So people are picking up words of mouth and generally loving it, which I have a huge problem with. But so what I what I wondered is in, in the actual Mormon bubble, do, are, are people super aware of this or is this just something that, um, you know, it's, it's being reported and it seems like anti-Mormon propaganda? How, how are people... That alert, would that have caused more of an impact <laughs> if it had have been his name that um that was mentioned? I'm just curious about how it's being how it's sort of being approached. I, I, it seems like a lot of people are aware of it. It's, it's got a lot of traction because we had the Sound of Freedom movie, which which took place last summer, and that was a big box office hit. So not just Mormons, but a lot of non-Mormons went to go see this movie. It seems like that there's a, a big awareness of it. And from Lynn Packard's uh, latest uh, YouTube video, let me just play one, uh, show you one other thing that came out of this. This is uh, what he is claiming. Again, this is all backed up with solid journalism, in my opinion. Russell Ballard, wind up. Russell Ballard's involvement with Tim Ballard's questionable financial ventures follows a list of his association with business failures and frauds. So his lying about a business tie with Tim Ballard is no surprise given his past conduct. It's also no surprise that the LDS church spokesman attempts to paint Russell Ballard as Tim Ballard's victim rather than as Tim's accomplice. So, I mean, it's really thick as thieves over here and more shoes are dropping. Um, it's just incredible the revelations that are coming out over this. Yeah, so I, I think uh, there's a couple of things. Um, 21st century saints have had a huge focus on safeguarding, which is it, rather than just being, um, you know, the focus is very often on child protection and issues relating to abuse, um, really focused on kids. 
we safeguarding is about keeping everyone safe so elder abuse you know our, our older people having uh conversations around selling their homes to go pay missions and their tithing and those types of pressures um about vulnerable adults at any stage and so it's quite a wide group um it's much easier for you know a movie like Tim's and for work like Tim's it's been flagged for years that this doesn't help what it does is tells you that abuse and trafficking is something that happens over here and we're really aware that Operation Underground Railroad tends to deflect from the actual problems um governments are working with very very closely with organizations to um deal with trafficking Often it's very closely related to some faith groups and the strategies on this are, are just so wide. And then whenever someone is coming in and almost sort of creating um, this, you know, problem that's almost feeding itself, um, creating um, a market even for victims, this is not what we want to be happening. The, the uh, issue of trafficking is very, very important. It's best that that happens through the proper channels rather than well-meaning charities who are going in there and trying to save the day. When it comes to abuse, our focus really needs to be on creating a language around how we talk about it, um, a language about how we can make sure that people aren't vulnerable to being trafficked. Um, you know, we think about missionaries and those conversations where actually we put a lot of pressure for people to cross borders and share whatever message the organisation is putting forward. Um, so we want to make sure that, that those kinds of conversations that you have a language to say no, that passports aren't, aren't retained by mission presidents, those kinds of things. But more importantly than that, the real threat with safeguarding is people within your immediate community and family and especially when there's a church community and those links are very very blurred so we're very worried anyway about operation railroad and the focus that is actually in our opinion taking away from the good work that is being done by governments and organizations who are best placed to do that now the mormon church is an organization that as much as it is this huge corporate machine is actually in a lot of ways extremely vulnerable and extremely naive it's uh, you know we we anyone who's seen the book of mormon musical and how mormonism is presented latter-day saint mormonism is presented um is, is presented with a really well-meaning sweet bunch of naive people and that, that close ranks um this is what i think is happening here i think the church has been extremely vulnerable to the messaging of Tim Ballard. It's a, a reassuring thing that we don't need to think about the issues that we can actually um, do something about right now by, by creating a language, by strengthening policies. Um, wonderful policies, thanks to um, some of the work that have been done um, you know, recently in the UK that we've been able to be part of has brought in some of these fantastic policies, which include background checks, which include training and callings for volunteers. It's fantastic. Those are the types of things we need to be looking at. What can we do better? Not where can we go to solve a problem that actually could be perpetuating and creating a problem. So yeah, I think that I think the church has been very vulnerable to that message. 
Yeah, absolutely. Let me play another clip for you, because it's not just with the OUR, it, the allegations are is that very few children were actually rescued. Some of these were being done by psychics. They were failed missions. And like you said, it could have been doing more harm than actual good. And it's not just that the, the children who are in these situations, who we also have credible allegations that the people who were in, supposed to be rescuing the children were actually abusing the children. We also have credible information of that. It's also that the women that Tim Ballard took with him on these missions were sexually groomed. And I want to I want to get your reaction to this. He posted this about he calls it the couple's ruse. Um, and unfortunately, he's wearing a UK T-shirt there, Jane. I'm sure that you're not appreciative of that. But um, let, let's listen to this. Hey guys, I want to tell you about a very important undercover tactic that we use that involves female operators. Based on the allegations that are flying around and the questions being asked, we've decided to tell you these tactics. While I do so, I'm going to pay homage, respect, love and gratitude for these female operators who serve such an important role in rescue operations. You need to understand that children don't just fall out of the sky. They don't fall into your desk. It's a very proactive work. So if I am a man or one of my operators approached by a trafficker trying to put a child to, to, to service on that person or a sex worker, and that man, that operator doesn't partake of what's being offered, they lose credibility. And so we came up with a concept that we call the couple's ruse or the couple's tactic, where you go in together, pretending to be a husband or a wife or boyfriend, girlfriend. Now you go in and one of you could, could pretend that, yes, I, I want to partake in this sex act with this woman or this child, but I can't because my girlfriend won't let me, but maybe we can do it later. So is that cool? Like, let's keep talking and, and she'll warm up to it eventually. But the bottom line is we block for each other. So the trafficker sees the situation, recognizes that I have every excuse not to partake. Hundreds, maybe thousands of children have been rescued using this amazing tactic as I've had these talks over the last several weeks with these amazing heroic female operators. They want their voices heard. They want you to know what it's been like for them working with me and other operators. Now, the thing about this, Jane, is that he also, he pressured the women who were with him, he pressured them, according to the allegations, to take showers with him and also sleep in the same bed. So what's your reaction to all this? Again, is this vulnerability. And this, I think, highlights the problem fundamentally with uh, the whole approach of, of Operation Underground Railroad. So first of all, if women want to um, speak, if they are really desperate to, to tell you what they are really experiencing, uh, they can do that for themselves. I mean, that that's just fundamentally, it doesn't need you to explain what their experience is. Thank you very much, Tim. And what we're seeing is they're telling you that these experiences have been coercive and um, controlling and putting them in situations that they don't want to be in. And it's wonderful if we've had women who have had a fantastic, empowering experience. The way we would speak about that is, is you know, women operatives that, you know, you're speaking about them as props. You're speaking about them as someone who lets the man then go on and, and do the work that they're trying to do in a really problematic model in the first place. This is the, the thing that happens when you're trying to shine a light on these hundreds, thousands of nameless children that is in dispute how many of these children actually really exist. Um, when the problem is over there, when the language of abuse is um, is is really inflammatory and it, and it looks very dramatic and heroic and um and shady when all of the adrenaline is pumping it leaves you vulnerable and the same way as moviegoers are vulnerable to that message this isn't just a problem you know for for these 
children who actually are being trafficked and this is diverting attention away from where it needs to go. This also means that people who are signing up to be involved and people who are signing up to give you money are vulnerable in that they are they are sort of seeing that a problem is being solved and we don't realise that we are being manipulated and groomed into actions that we wouldn't normally have taken or we're vulnerable to messaging that can you know it, it, we don't ask as many questions because the problems are all being solved the solutions are all being hand, handed to you they are presenting themselves as the experts they have all of the answers they've been in this space for so many years and they have all of this evidence which actually we haven't been presented with very much evidence at all but what it means is if i go and watch this movie um i am in a position where i can think okay i can donate I have been asked to raise awareness and tell people about the movie, make a donation, whatever that would look like, specifically to this organisation and not, not any other. If there is a situation in my home where there is a vulnerability, that's where my focus really needs to be. I need to be focusing on the language of abuse, the patterns of predatory behaviour that we see that actually people who, are, who want access to children are creative they tend to look um at these types of vulnerabilities it's like a moth to a flame when we have these trusting relationships those are the things that can make us really really vulnerable um when people want access to children it's not someone else generally from very far away it's people who can easily access a child and that tends to be and families and church communities what we see with with tim ballard and in, in a lot of ways is what we see with the um allegations that have been quite high profile about abuse within the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints and that is when church leaders any church leader any religious person um who has authority when we are overly pedestalizing them when they're in positions of authority it can lead to this view that they can act with impunity and Tim Ballard seems to be very very reluctant to share accountability and transparency that you know what what are your actual methods what evidences are you using and now you have all of these complaints from people who have volunteered to support None of this surprises me. He he's a very dangerous person for a lot of reasons, and the you know, people have been saying this for years. What we're seeing is a culmination of someone who was empowered to act, and worse, empowered to act under the banner of Jesus Christ. You're using his name, and uh, you know to to shore up your reputation. This is unacceptable. Um. So yeah, I I hope uh, all power to the women who are coming forward, um, and the whistleblowers who are coming forward to talk about what they're actually experiencing. Yeah. Now we are going to be post all of the uh, all of the information through the week. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and we're on TikTok. So we, you know, we release every one of our Mormon News Roundup episodes live every Sunday night at 9:30 p.m. But through the week, you can follow the Tim Ballard scandal and what's going to take place on that. And we're going to keep our eye out on that. We got a couple of other uh, articles to get through this week as well here. And this one is big here, Jane. Uh, this was released from the Deseret News here by Tad Welch on October 5th, 2023. Various faith groups support the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Huntsman tithing appeal. 
quote, the Supreme Court has consistently refused to allow courts to hide theological elephants in secular mouse holes, 10 religions say, in friend of the court brief. So the 10 religions here that we're looking at, this was a brief from Jewish, Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, Seventh-day Adventist denominations, and a few other organizations. They said that the August ruling in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals violates the First Amendment and threatens all denominations, which, quote, now risk a deluge of dubious lawsuits over their donated tithing funds. So if I could just give a quick summary of the uh, Huntsman tithing uh, lawsuit. He filed the lawsuit in California, I believe it was in 2017. It was, he wanted a refund of his tithing because he said that he gave his tithing under the uh, auspice that his tithing was being used for humanitarian purposes. But it appears in his original lawsuit, he said that it was used for City Creek Mall and the bailing out of an insurance company. Well, it was initially denied and he appealed it to the district, he appealed it to the circuit level. The circuit level uh, sent it back down to the district level and said that there is uh, that he does have a leg to stand on because of certain statements from President Hinckley, specifically in 2003, which said that no tithing would be used for the City Creek Mall, but tithing was used for the City Creek Mall. Then the church appealed the the, <laughs> the church appealed the circuit court and said we want the circuit court to take another look at this before it's sent back down to the district court. Now a number of other religious organizations have filed friend of the court briefs with the LDS Church saying. You know, we don't want people to ever be able to get their donations back either. Okay, so it's a big giant mess. What's your thoughts about the James Huntsman lawsuit and all these religions lining up and saying, no, this is First Amendment. Um, you can't get your tithing back. You can't get your donations back ever. What is fascinating me is how um, people seem to, just because nothing has happened so far, seem to be quite disheartened because nothing has happened so far, nothing's ever going to happen. And, and the church is this this massive institution that it's, it's never, ever going to back down and tithing money is never, ever going to come back. Um, I think we can see, I think this is a watch this space situation. And I think it's much more broad than just the Huntsman case. Um, I, I think since the um, financial misconduct uh, around the church, I think a lot is going to be happening over the next few months and years. Um, what the question that I keep hearing being asked is, does this really have a chance? And legally, what what we keep hearing back there is, oh, it absolutely does. Um, it it really really does. So I think this is part of a bigger picture, and I'm fascinated to see how it's going to unfold. Yeah, um, it's it's specific to the claims around the City Creek Mall. It's not saying that all donations yeah. ever. It's not saying that all donations for all time can come back. It's specifically the donations prior to the City Creek Mall, where senior leaders of the church, presiding bishoprics, President Hinckley said that no tithing has been or would be used for the building of the City Creek Mall. And that has basically been proved from the circuit court. The circuit court has says that a reasonable juror can look at the statements by the church leaders and might have uh, compelling doubts as to the veracity of those statements. Now the church has appealed it to go back to the circuit court. There's got friend of the court briefs. Obviously other religions don't want people to be able to get their donations back. But this, in my opinion, is an apples and oranges comparison because other religions are not engaged in the commercial ventures that the LDS church is. Mm -hmm. okay, when you give your donations to other churches, you have a much more, in my opinion, you generally have a better idea that it's going to be used for humanitarian purposes and not for pure, purely commercial purposes. So it, just because the tithing could be sent back to James Huntsman for the City Creek Mall, in my opinion, that doesn't open up other religions to be getting donations back to those people because their mm -hmm. leaders never made statements saying that we wouldn't be using donations to fund for-profit ventures because other religions generally don't engage in those type of things. Any last thoughts on this one? Yeah, I just think it's completely... Uh... I, it's so out of the the 
it, it, it's just not something UK people tend to think about very much, unless, of course, you are Peter um, Saint, Peter Bleakley, you know, who's really, really interested in these things, because we don't tend to equate um, the church, any church, with commercial ventures. Um, we, we just sort of tend to have this sense that, yeah, there's something happening, some investments that will be happening, and that just makes good financial sense because the church are good stewards. And um, so when, when I think most people, most active Mormons here, and even a hell of a lot of ex-Mormons um, here, City Creek, the eyes tend to kind of glaze over a little bit because oh, that's a Utah thing. And it's, it's um, interesting to watch from a distance, but it doesn't really mean a whole lot, except this is so fascinating. This is why Mormonism is just so interesting, because there is this blurring of the lines between what is the purposes of a church? What, what can a congregant reasonably expect to be done with their money um, versus what would any other church think is normal behaviour? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating to watch, I guess, from a distance. Yeah, we're going to keep our eye on that one for sure. And of course, Jane, we had general conference that took place this last week and we did cover oh, it. Yeah, yes, we, we did. We, we, we covered it quite a bit here on last week. But of course, the memes and the reaction continue to fall out for the next previous, you know, for the next couple of days. And I got a couple of, of um, I got several memes here. I'm big on memes here from the general conference fallouts that I want to share with you. Tell me if these memes are any good. So let's start with this one. First of all, this is a parody account. It says after general conference. I've been called to serve as a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I've been called to serve in the Temple Grounds Beautification Team, a special extension of the Relief Society, English-speaking, though I'll pretend to learn some Spanish. The joke here is that because they announced 20 temples, they're going to have to start calling senior missionaries to do groundskeeping. <laughs> and they will do it with their whole hearts. They certainly oh, will. Oh, it will be glorious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The, the other things that really have come out here um, from the general conference is President Nelson think celestial. Did you catch that uh, his final talk there where he talked about thinking celestial? Oh, didn't we all? Yes. Yeah. I've got yes. a couple of memes here. I got a couple of memes to go along with that. You tell me if Bring you're them good on. as well. OK, so LDS discussions tweeted this out. Joseph Smith asked teenage girls to, quote, think celestial, end quote, when he commanded them via God to marry and have sex with him as polygamous wives. Mormon polygamy was all about thinking celestial, and this is a coercive tactic to get people to do what they would otherwise never do. Is polygamy thinking celestial, Jane? Um, yes, that's the unfortunate thing, is that it, oh my goodness, it just traumatizes everyone. Okay, first, what the hell is that grammar? I, I don't know why it makes my brain itchy, but for two words to cause such pain to my um to my soul is just I don't know. Um, I think President Nelson needed something snappier than what was it before? Keep an eternal perspective, or whatever his uh, other buzzwords have <laughs> have been. I was guessing that this was a, a sort of midnight, get the yellow legal pad out, Wendy, please leave the room, and we need to write down, think celestial, and underline it, and put stars next to it several hundred times, and that's the very fellow for me, and just no one's been able to talk him out of it. Um, I would say big mistake, uh, but maybe I am wrong, because it's clearly making a lot of merch, and a lot of slogan, um, you know, a lot of slogans are being placed on bumper stickers as we speak, so, you know, hey, if it's good for the economy, maybe there's some <laughs> to it it's definitely going viral <laughs> that's for sure how about this one how about this one we got uh joseph smith with helen mark kimball who was 14 years old when he married her it's okay i'm thinking celestial 
How about that for a meme? A scale of one to ten. How good is that one? I need my smelling stolts. That's that's how that's how good it is. It's so good because it's true. Um, <laughs> yes, because because here's the thing about thinking celestial. Everything is fine if you just don't have to think about it and it will all be okay in the afterlife. Um, women who, <laughs> who have been going to church all of these years and are presented a celestial kingdom vision, which includes the, the lovely catchy phrase, eternal increase. And no one, you know, really, you know, what does that mean? Oh, it means we'll have lots of children and we can keep having children. And we don't really, you know, get into, oh, awful so yeah i <laughs> when we think celestial uh we tend to think oh no 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 that is that's not fun for me that's not only not fun for me but that is the opposite of what um <laughs> what heaven should look like so yeah think celestial uh when it means following a certain path and just don't think about things too closely right now because doesn't matter it'll all get fixed in the celestial kingdom it's actually i mean we we joke about it kind of because we have to because it is so traumatic and this is coming in the back of a lot of problematic things that were being said we obviously know uh, again because it's because it's 21st century saints we can't not talk about some aspect of safeguarding but we we know that the um suicide rates for people hearing talks like this go through the roof specifically our lgbtq uh, siblings out there um what is wonderful to behold is that you get spaces like this where in the comments and in the chats and in the community sort of discussions we've been able to see how some of those effects to a certain extent can be if not quite mitigated there, there is some kind of affirmation and support um overwhelmingly from people who are sort of in that space to be able to that's what ministry should look like um but you know in these days since conference as much as the think celestial stuff is coming out and uh everyone loving uh what president nelson said because it's working for them because it hasn't yet caused them personally any pain so many people are looking and seeing that actually pain is being caused and this is hurting my family um therefore it's hurting me and these messages of support and and that's the one i guess that that we want to focus on is that um that you are perfect that you you don't need to change and that you know um if there is anything crossing your mind that um getting to the celestial kingdom is going to change your body in ways that actually you have been praying for um you are perfect as you are right now and that's the message that needs to be emphasized that's what thinking celestial should be yeah, that's what it should be. But President Nelson, in his address, he talked about if you don't pay tithing, if you don't walk the covenant path, if you don't do exactly what I say, when I say, yeah. how I say, then um, you're not going to be. He specifically said you will not be with your family if you don't follow my rules and my way. And this is a meme here that says think celestial with Russell M. Nelson, which shows the hand of God ripping a young child out of a mother's hands who's uh, a very distressed. And is that thinking, is this picture make you think celestial here, Jane? Well, the, I mean, the, the words itself, it's its the threat, uh, not the, you know, it's the, it's the punishment, it's the, the, the closed doors. It, it, this isn't an open invitation to, to everyone. And in that list that you just provided, you know, one of the demographics of people who got mentioned was uh, people who are addicted. Um, yeah, they don't they don't get to make it either. Um, we, we've heard over the years so many church uh, talks and things saying, you know, we, what we don't do is tell people where we're going. That's not what, what we're about we we have no call or you know should be making any comment about that and here president nelson decides to break down yeah here's a list of people who are not going to make it and when he mentions the in the addiction category 
whether that's uh, and the model, the addiction model that the church uh, uses, I have a lot of problems with, um, as do many people. But one of those categories was people who are addicted to food. And, you know, the, the amount of people who have addictive issues as it relates to food, but it's not an addiction model. It's anorexia, it's bulimia, it's binge eating, it's self-harm using food. And it is so problematic. And, uh, you know, among 21st century saints, you know, we, we have, you know, we, we have teens that we are uh, very, very close with that that message had they heard it would have been extremely harmful to the point that we would have had to potentially look at you know how they would be keeping them alive it's it's a horrific message and i think this is the thing president nelson may may have had what he feels is an inspired little buzzword that comes up you just the impact of your words it, it is just so far reaching and yeah, it, it's. I, I think if if you are the leader of a world religion, and all you have to say is a couple of words to make millions of people, you know, who will act on those words immediately without question, you're gonna have to give it a hell of a lot more thought than that because I mean, we're literally talking about life and death here. Yeah, and uh, you talked about merchandise from the Think Celestial. Uh, there's been a lot of merchandise going around out there, and uh, you know this is a tweeted out here by the Cultural Hall. Never miss an opportunity to hashtag Think Celestial. Available at the BYU Bookstore and Deseret Book locations. You know, I'd buy that. I'd put that in my house. I, I don't know about you. Uh, Jane, you would but... D definitely. The Think Celestial phrase is, is um, yeah, that's where it needs to be. Is down the toilet. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I missed that one. You know, the crazy thing about it is people are pointing out the similarities between a lot of other um, harmful leaders and the Think Celestial. See, Warren Jeffs, the FLDS Ooh. leader who's currently in prison for uh, uh, underage marriages and, and sexual abuse of uh, minor uh, minor girls. You know, his big catchphrase was keep sweet, pray and obey, which keep sweet and think celestial. Those seem to have a lot in common, don't they? I had not seen this until just this moment, and it is hitting me hard. It, absolutely. And while they may sound, other than the fact it's two words, while they may sound quite different, that is exactly the effect that um, that, that I think they're going for. Um, because you just wait, everything will be all right. We don't need to rock the boat right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, let me give you a couple more here of uh, ways to think celestial here, Jane. This is from uh, Apostle Marky e. Peterson in uh, 1954. He said, if the Negro is faithful all his days, he can he can and will enter the celestial kingdom. He will go there as a servant, but he will get a celestial resurrection, end quote. And uh, is that thinking celestial? That's, well, apparently it is. <laughs> apparently. Uh, See, these are the moments when I think, you know what, like how I'll mention that uh, Nemo, that... Um, Peter, the the things they say in the Brett Avengers that that me that make me need to grab my heart pills or my smelling salts, and then I remember that it ain't nothing compared to the stuff that the church itself has said over the years. So I'm sorry, guys, that I've been hard on you. I I see that and I think, oh my goodness, yeah. Couple couple more here for you, Jane. What gives people feelings of power? Is it money? Is it status? Or is it thinking celestial? That's a that's a good question. I wonder. Or how about this one? Uh, don't forget to think celestial. See, when you drink a Diet Coke, that's thinking celestial. But when you drink coffee or tea, that's thinking telestial. Is that accurate? Bonus points to the cultural hall. I see what you <laughs> did there. Think telestial. Britain thanks you. Yes. <laughs> Round of applause.
Yeah, we're going to have him on the uh, podcast here in a couple of months, by the way. We've got him lined up. A couple more memes for you. Um, somebody fixed the Think Celestial. Instead of uh, Think Celestial, how about just this, Jane? How about just think? How about instead of thinking Celestial, just think? That seems like I fixed. love this. Yes, yes. I, <laughs> I am keeping this one. Okay, very nice. Uh, a couple more here for you. Uh, since it is the church that is worth so much money, instead of Think Celestial, how about instead let's think Investial? That's accurate. Oh, you guys crack me up. That's 100% accurate without well, question. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Um, and since the church has been, uh, you know, accused oh. of so much sexual abuse uh, in the Boy Scouts and in many other, uh, in many of its congregations, instead of think celestial, uh, think molestial because you went been, uh, there. You, yeah, you, you hey, went there. Look, I just passed the memes along. I don't make them, okay? So I'm not responsible for any of the content of this podcast. I didn't make a meme. I'm just passing it along, right? So <laughs> that does bring us to, uh, you know, if you've watched this podcast before, uh, you'll know that we have a Mormon News Roundup poll of the week that uh, goes with every uh, every one of our episodes or almost every one of our episodes, Jane. And I want you to take our, be the first listener out there to take our poll. And again, like I said, we release our episodes onto Apple Podcasts, on a Spotify, on a Spotify, but we also release them live on YouTube every Sunday night at 9.30. And if you come into the live chat, you can interact with us there. Can you read uh, what the poll is, uh, the question for the poll of the week is here for October 8, 2023? I would love to. The question is, what's the best way to follow President Nelson's inspired advice to think celestial? Okay, so we're going to give you eight choices, Jane, and you'll be the first one to take it. So uh, okay. uh, answer number one. Oh. Oh, can you read it out loud for uh, I, I, I'm just shook. <laughs> Number one, hoard $300 billion. Yeah, with uh, approximately $120 billion in real estate assets and about $180 billion in Enzyme Peak, um, hoarding $300 billion, I guess that's thinking celestial, but could have fooled me. <laughs> or how about number two, Jane? Uh, number two is file amicus briefs to deny LGBTQ persons of rights. Yeah, because the church engages in that frequently, and I guess that's thinking celestial too. Boy, thinking celestial isn't all it's cracked up to be now that I uh, now that I think more about it, Jane. Yeah. Or how about number three? Three is tell your bishop not to report child sex abuse. And yeah, because, the little tagline we have is the Mormon yeah. church has been accused of using their sexual abuse hotline to quiet victims and stave off potential lawsuits. You know, the more that I think about this mm -hmm. one, the more that I don't think that's thinking celestial, but that seems to be what the church has been doing for decades. So I'm a little confused. Maybe that's not the best one. How about number four? Four is announce one billion in temples, but zero dollars in food, kitchens, hospitals and orphanages. Yeah, in food pantries, mm -hmm. hospitals, orphanages. I guess that thinking celestial by building these um, incredibly unmanned uh, edifices to dot the world that'll only be open for a couple of days a week, a couple hours at a time, instead of um, fixing the human suffering that is taking place on this world at this time. I guess that's thinking celestial. Or how about number five? Number five is sue a tiny rustic U.S. western town in order to force through a monstrous edifice. Yeah, that's we're talking about Cody, Wyoming. I'm not sure if you followed that one. But yeah, the church has filed a number of lawsuits to get through these temples through because, um, you know, when you put a, a very, very giant edifice into a very, very small town, there's going to be a lot of pushback. And the church has sued that town. I guess that's thinking celestial. I'm not sure. How about number six? Six is disavow another treasured LDS cultural term. Yeah, I guess getting rid of the word Mormon is thinking celestial, right, Jane? Oh, yeah. Don't say Mormon. Yeah. No, no, that's no, no, celestial. No, no. That's celestial stuff. We celestial. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Almost out of darkness, actually. Uh, how about number seven? Let's go shopping. Yeah, this is the City Creek Mall here. And if you look at the uh, fifth person to the right here, uh, do you know who that is for fifth person to the right? 
I I can't see that. Sabrina. Thomas Monson. Thomas Monson. Oh, so oh, it when is. When City Creek Mall was, uh, you know, the church. We know from the Huntsman lawsuit that the church donated 1.4 uh, uh, invested uh, 1.4 billion dollars into the City Creek Mall. And when the, it was uh, the groundbreaking, when they cut the ribbon, Thomas Monson was there, and they all shouted, "Let's go shopping!" Is that thinking celestial? I guess so. The profits there. Um, you know, not really sure. And finally, is number eight. Eight is tell coffee drinkers that they are going to hell. Yeah, that's that's mm. thinking celestial. So uh, you're the first one here. Cast your votes in the live chat at this time. And Jane, can you be the first person to uh, take our yes. poll? What is the best way to follow President Nelson's inspired advice to think celestial? Well, I so I can't select option one because I don't have, uh, you know, 300 dollars to hoard never mind rebellions that isn't even an option um yeah my my kids would uh, punch me in the head if i denied them their lgbtq rights solidarity um telling our bishops not to report child sex abuse guys no this is a no. tough poll this is we a tough report poll. we report um yeah. announcing the t right this okay I say this at every opportunity. You all get temples everywhere you want a temple. England get three temples. Do you know how many are in Scotland? Zero. Zero many. Ireland and Wales. We don't get temples, even though the number of talks that we have had to sit through where y'all are talking about your ancestors and how utterly Scottish their experience was. And... Do you know what? Your ancestors are ready to start going full poltergeist on your ass unless you get simple and stop. I feel like you're just toying with us now. So, so no. Okay. <laughs> I just, hey, all I can say, Jane, is it's very hard to think celestial on this poll, but you know, you got you to select one option. So give it your best shot. Right. There. So I, now we and have. We never it. said it was easy, Jane. We only said it would be worth it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm torn because uh, coffee drinkers are indeed going to hell. I I believe that with my whole soul because it's nasty. Not the principle because <laughs> it is nasty. But I say seven because hey. one, it, it means I would get to go to City Creek. But yeah, who doesn't love shopping? I'm with you, President Monson. I you know. It's funny that you chose number seven because I also chose number seven. I think that the best way to think celestial is to let's go shopping without question. I'd like to do it with Thomas Monson. I'd like to go through. Um, you well, know, not now. Not well, right now. you know, yeah. I, I would like to go through with any with any senior leader of the church. Yeah. A couple, couple more uh, conference memes here for you, because the memes, they just keep coming on here. And you tell me if this one is too offensive for you. If they did Ooh. this, uh, you know, hey, this is Jesus Christ. He's at a general conference. This is AI generated here, Jane. Uh, so my dad needs more of your human money. OK, um, you know, this is do you like AI art or am I taking this too far? I'm I'm I may need to lie down after this and uh, this is going to be a really great conversation with my bishop i'm just gonna blame all you guys it's okay it's fine it's all of you guys no problem now you mentioned earlier the uh talk about uh, president nelson let's get into that because yes. he talked about any addiction be it gaming gambling debt drugs alcohol anger pornography sex or even food offends god and it seemed like you took some uh, issue with that jane what's your reaction to um his his uh, his advice here you're uh anorexia, your bulimia, your uh, any issues with binge eating, um, any issues that you've had with shame around food, your anorexia does not offend God. 
your bulimia does not offend God. You do not offend God. If you have any of the above named mental health issues, and they are all mental health issues, and some are um, serious illnesses, many of them are serious illnesses, your serious illness does not offend God. You are perfect and you're human and you've got this. That's very inspiring counsel. You know, um, a couple of other memes that went along with that. Russ, uh, President Nelson says that the uh, that God is offended by the word Mormon and various addictions. However, I guess God approves of the church scheming to keep child sex abuse secret, not reporting it to the police and leaving LDS kids in danger of uh, leadership known pedophiles. Um, it seems like uh, what offends us seems to be backwards in these situations. Is he, though, is he offended by the word Mormon? Is, That's is, a good question. Is he, though? That's a good question. Your friend over at the Bridgangers here, uh, Nemo, he posted this uh, oh, posted this about whether, about whether addiction actually does offend. Uh, do, you know, what is the deal with addictions here? Let me play this for you. It's true that any addiction, be it gaming, gambling, debt, drugs, alcohol, anger, pornography, sex, or even food, offense god then what do we do about this it ultimately is impossible for another person to offend you or to <laughs> offend me indeed believing that another person offended us is fundamentally false in many instances choosing to be offended is a symptom of a much deeper and more serious spiritual malady is god choosing to be offended let me know what you think yeah so you know can't a person decide whether they're going to be offended or not I am delighted that Elder Ballard's talk can be used against him for now and for all eternity. That is wonderful news. That is thinking celestial. Um, you mean Bednar, Elder Bednar's talk? Oh, Elder, Elder Bednar's talk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I was more kind of distracted because Nemo's pallor that like he has gotten so pale he's our he's our little one and we love him but spending the entire weekend in a cupboard talking about conference um yeah take takes its toll so he's you know we we need to get that that kid a spray tan or something <laughs> yeah love you nemo <laughs> you know you mentioned earlier that you know not every addiction this is from floodlit.org who does a lot of interesting work with uh, highlighting sexual abuse they said not every addiction or compulsion is the direct result of wrongdoing i mean someone can have dysregulated stress eating or biological switches or you know i want to give a story here of my own father you know he had a horrible back accident he ended up in the hospital, serious accident, and there was, he was in a great deal of pain, and he ended up getting addicted to pain medications. I don't think that that is a result of a flaw in his character or Satan or anything like that. Addictions are, um, you know, the, the, it's not some, it's not the boogeyman that President Nelson seems to be making them out as. That's all I'm saying. Right. And, you know, the, the yeah, the opioid crisis came about, you know, f through a whole host of different circumstances, and, yeah, People are vulnerable, and that's what leads to these situations. Um, and and I have I have OCD. Um, I, <laughs> which I can laugh about when it's not a big deal. But uh, yeah, compulsions. Um, this is what I've learned about compulsions. I am not my thoughts. And going to church constantly to hear that every thought that I have might be offending God um, is is something that we can take on board and we can believe or we can choose that that isn't helpful or healthy for me and so it's not useful I'm gonna I'm gonna let that go um simply because thoughts happen to us everyone has thoughts some you hang on to and some you don't I don't care who you are at I mean it's, it sounds like such a bizarre thing to talk about but 
human beings, um, even in dream states, uh, think about the most bizarre things. Some of those things are not healthy or appropriate or safe or any of those things. Everyone has thought about through, you know, when a, when a train is coming, when a bus is coming, what would happen if I just jumped out in front of it? Most people aren't completely distressed by the thought compulsions and obsessive thinking is when you can't let go of that thought and trying to remember that actually you are not that thought the thought is a thing that happens and that you get to observe that um is almost antithetical to church teachings and yet um i am here to i guess bear witness that it's true so these really harmful messages that um even things that you have no control over yeah it just doesn't work for me it doesn't yeah, and that's not the only thing that was controversial that President Nelson said. He also brought up this uh, quote that was along with the thinking celestial here. Then this has also gone viral. Can you read that for us, Jane? Simply, it says, never take counsel of those who don't believe. Yeah, and only seek guidance from the voices that you can trust. Um, what's your reaction to saying that you should never <laughs> seek counsel from people who don't believe? What, what's your thoughts on that? I'm going to bring the thunder. Um, okay, this causes so many problems. Um, simply because we are creating an, un, an us and them attitude. Your goal may be to sure up faith, but what it actually did was created fears in families throughout the, the, the reach of your voice. In families, um, concerns continue to be raised, real pain that people are saying that this is just what my family need to hear to stop listening to me it's already been tense i've stepped away from the church and this will drive a further wedge and this is what they're experiencing in this week the other thing that it does not only to drive wedges between families but also in couples when um you have therapy unless it's an lds approved therapist which let's face it everyone doesn't either have access to or want or necessarily need that's not always the best um best way forward um those people may have completely contrary opinions uh, for example with things like sex and uh, pornography use those types of things where we have to look at outside our own views and opinions i'm in a mixed faith marriage um this would mean that i have to literally put my church leaders council above the wise advice of my husband um it asks us to make a choice it asks us first of all to make a determination about where someone's faith is uh, it's almost conducting a mental worthiness interview before you even enter a conversation can i trust what you're going to say because uh you are a mormon then what happens is Again, when um, there is excessive veneration of church leaders, it can lead to um, a belief that they can act with impunity. So when someone has that amount of trust placed in them, it is not a healthy dynamic to make those decisions just because they come from a position of faith. This is how, um, you know, things like like sleepovers um, within church communities, just because someone's a member of the church, they have a temple recommend. This means that they're trustworthy. And so your kids can spend time there. Um, this also means that you prioritize the advice given by a church leader rather than someone else who is better informed. We also saw in that same talk, and, and this is what I, I found fascinating, was um, there was a moment where President Nelson had mentioned that um, his work colleagues had um, totally disagreed with him or had criticised some aspect of his work. And oh, how he chuckled about that. The idea even that he could be wrong. And I envision perhaps you know, his colleagues may be saying, what, you really, you don't believe in evolution? 
what but that's crazy you can't be a doctor and think that and um okay maybe other people might think and maybe it's not that maybe it's just about a medical decision but most normal people would think okay my work colleagues my respected peers if thing that they're trying to communicate to me um if my work peers have something that they're trying to communicate to me maybe they have a point and maybe i should listen <laughs> they, no, their views no. might be worth taking on boards and, and that's that's the thing it says well you know enos envy he tweeted this out we're going to have him on the podcast he said well what about your non-member employer what about your unbelieving dentist how about your banker how about your non-believing legal how about your lawyer how about your doctor how about your pimo spouse what about all of these people? You should never take counsel from anyone who doesn't believe. The problem mm -hmm. is, is that 99.99% of the people on the planet are not Mormons. So, I mean, we're really reducing the amount of people that we can have any confidence in. It's like, well, we need to, we need to have a, a, a question and answer with someone before we engage in business with them. He said, never take any counsel, any. He didn't say religious counsel. He said, never take counsel. And, and the point that you brought up is very, very tr uh, true here. It says, you know, your people are in mixed faith marriages. Well, if he says never take counsel from those who don't believe, then are, what? Are you not supposed to be able to engage in counsel with your husband if he's not a member or he's not a believer? It's an incredibly harmful message all the way around. Mm, it is. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and you know, and and I think just to you know bring bring that perfect situation, it means that the the person that we would tend to go to in the LDS church if we have a situation that we need counsel about would tend to be our bishop, uh, potentially you know the, the home teachers ministering people who are assigned to you but you know in general it's going to be that now, if you imagine your elderly parents and they um have saved for their retirement and they've just heard this you know they've gotten through conference at uh, conference and we're hearing this reinforced message about how much the church really needs you to serve a mission despite everything that they've done in their entire life they counsel with their bishop and they decide that they want to serve a senior mission they um don't have the funds because they are still going to have to pay for that themselves per person and they talk to the bishop who is naturally going to speak about how what are your finances like and can you afford to serve this mission and how what can we what can we do around that what's the situation well we have a retirement fund that we you know we we're we have we we also have our home so we could look at putting those resources to fund the mission and that is fantastic now you speak to the um unbelieving perhaps or even believing family members who feel genuine concern about that and who are advising their parents we don't want you to sell your home we don't want you to use your retirement funds also the church really maybe should be paying because you have put your years of life into this you've already served in whatever capacities but now who in president nelson's equation gets listened to I don't know how it works in the, the US, but here in the, the UK, if uh, the, these elderly people are speaking to a financial advisor or uh, you know, if, if they're going through the process of selling their home to do something like that, the family members are contacted because it's a safeguarding issue because elderly people are particularly vulnerable to these types of messages and don't, not, don't always sort of um, necessarily have a full view of what the consequences of those financial decisions might be so who are you going to listen to and it is not it is not the family and that's the horrific thing the, there is a hell of a lot of power that you put into church leaders hands when you tell them and reinforcing to them too church members can trust you your advice is going to be always at all times 100 percent that good yeah, let me hit you with a couple of quick memes that go along with this because Let's I thought that it. this was the uh, I thought this was the most harmful uh, teaching in the entire conference. Uh, never take counsel from those who don't believe in the dark side. 
You know, it seems like I remember that from Star Wars. Or how about this one? In the LDS faith, we are not trained in how to tolerate diversity or thought. We are trained in how to conform. So if you never take counsel from those who don't believe, then you're never open to a diversity of opinion of someone who might disagree with you. Um, yeah, I, I mean, not not just the we don't get to experience that. We don't get to grow at all because without that, um, without any discussion or pushback, then all we do is uh, talk at people, which I mean, I, I was chuckling with the 21st Century Saints gang just last night about this because general conference is not a conference okay when when you when you, you have a have work or something that you're interested in um no that is not a conference that is and the words of you know ken and the the barbie movie let me look uncomfortably into your eyes for four and a half minutes while i sing at you that's what that is they are talking at you repeatedly so this is maybe general lectures on faith or or something like that this is and there is no opportunity to think about other perspectives. There's no opportunity to push back against those other perspectives, even if you don't agree with them. There's no opportunity to add to what you don't already have revealed to you from other places. It's just congratulating yourself and rehearsing the same thing in different words over and over again. When it, when, when it comes to not taking counsel from those who don't believe, it kind of reminds me of that Brigham Young statement, you know, that we used to have. The grand principle, remember Brigham Young said the grand principle of Mormonism is to embrace truth. Let it come from whence it, whence it may. If, you know, if there's any truth in the world, Brigham Young said, it belongs in the Church of Jesus in, in Mormonism. But apparently we're going away from that because we only want to take truth from people who are in the church. So that doesn't, that's it's kind of a 180. I feel like what's is it switch? What's the game where like I feel like if we put church leadership quotes on a deck of cards and you laid one down, you can quite easily find another one that will that will trump that that card and just flip the game. The Mormon Mormon don't get on that because um, yeah, there, there's constantly something that will contradict exactly what it is you're saying, and it's it's both exciting and completely depressing <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Uh, LDS South Footnotes put this one out. You know, why shouldn't members of the church, especially my family, ask me why I don't believe the church is what it claims to be? And that's what it said. Never take counsel. So you should never even ask someone so someone doesn't go to church anymore. And according to President Nelson, you shouldn't even ask them why they don't go to church anymore. That's um, that's not something that you're supposed to even entertain because you're not supposed to take counsel from those type of people. I, I would hear. So we, I mean, I, I churches is still part of my life. We have all been at church and come back from church completely traumatized because it it was just you know a head mess. And I would get um, people telling me not to talk to my husband about things that happen at church. You can talk about teachings, but don't talk about any of those things. Um, as if my husband has no ability to understand that there is a difference between people being pains in the ass and, uh, you know, the actual teachings of Jesus. You can see a difference. But also, you know, I, I, I remember, and this is very, very recent, being completely devastated um, <laughs> as if I only ever go to church and come back in tears it only happens like 90% of the time um, and I was counselling with my Bishop and Relief Society president and it was just awful so I I, um, I don't get to leave the house um, because I have a special needs son 
So I'm, I'm here with them and we don't have anyone to support with those needs. And I was just communicating like I would in any other um, demographic of, of my life, just, you know, this is really, really hard. I, I feel forgotten and left behind and everyone sort of moves on without me. And remember COVID when everyone was coming together and I thought, oh, we're going to be able to have these experiences and you'll understand that you'll go back to normal and I'll still be here, but you'll understand a bit more now. And of course, life goes on and that doesn't happen. And I remember just talking about like this is really hard and I'm, I'm not getting ministering visits and and they they didn't you know it it was <laughs> it was communicated to me that I didn't um I shouldn't be feeling that because that isn't of course that's not the case what I was actually feeling wasn't wasn't what was happening and it was horrible it was so so distressing now seeing someone come out of church with that experience and I'm talking about this one it could be LGBTQ stuff it could be hard, it, so many things that are experienced isn't it normal and totally correct that our um, family members should be expressing concern about that why are you going um should, <laughs> this isn't healthy and also we should be guided by that because sometimes it isn't healthy um maybe maybe even most of the time who knows if it's your experience all of the time we have a kid that I cannot expose to church teachings our youngest who's trans um that we we have a, a sort of view that if anything happens if anyone says something yeah you know we'll we, we, we I'll speak to that person well actually but then the damage is done and it's too late and every um message they've had about their identity and who they are and their worthiness um that can all be reinforced again despite healing through it despite having um utter knowledge and confidence that they are loved and who they are is complete and perfect one throwaway comment can destroy all of that surely we should be able to um think that if you know that this the social workers who, who who help place these children should be able to ask is this a healthy place for this child to be and we should be listening to that. So yeah, um, let's. We, we have to listen to to valuable content wherever we get it. Yeah, and that's the whole issue. LDS discussions. Mike over at LDS discussions, who runs a very popular website over there, he tweeted this out. I just want to share this too. If the church had any confidence in its truth claims, they'd tell members to talk to those who leave because the church would have answers to the problems with church history and doctrines. They wouldn't worry about it. Instead, they tell members to shut out family and friends by using fear tactics. And imagine any other area of life when someone would tell you, never take counsel from those who don't believe in Microsoft or who don't believe in Chevrolet, in Chevrolet cars or, or don't believe in uh, buying, Apple, uh, buying, buying real estate from me. Only listen to me because I'm telling you the truth. Imagine, you know, importing, exporting this to any other area of your life. It doesn't make any sense. Davis, how many times have we heard that, you know, if, if you were buying a car, would you listen to that? This is not a car that we can sell cars. We can get rid of cars. There is, a, there is an agreement that if the car doesn't do what I bought it to do, <laughs> that I am not locked in there for the rest of eternity. It's not the same thing. And also, People can think my car is crap because <laughs> you're not the one driving it. And that's OK, because those things don't affect me. And I am not going to sell a car based on something someone is saying, because we are we are normal thinking human beings, ideally. That I, I think what I really struggle with is just especially from from leadership. There is so much support out there for Latter-day Saints, the most supportive demographic. I have ever come across in my Mormondom 
has been ex-Mormons. It is a supportive, healthy space. And when I talk about anything that maybe I'm sort of personally experiencing or, you know, like, like those experiences at church, the Latter-day Saint community tell me how I should feel about it. The ex-Mormon community tell me that they know how much that hurts because they've experienced it and they they are not being at us telling us to leave. We have friends as Mormons from all different traditions throughout the world um, who, who support and who... So th this idea that, that the world is out to get us by giving us terrible advice to take us away from the church and things that are right, I have no testimony of that. That is not my experience. In fact, quite the opposite. Yeah. And the amazing thing is, is that President Nelson shares this kind of advice with a lot of other very harmful leaders. On the left is uh, Jim Jones, who ran the People's Temple, who uh, was one of the largest mass suicides in the Western Hemisphere's history. A thousand people died in South America. And he said, uh, Jim Jones says, quote, don't listen to those people out there. They are the enemy. The only truth you need is right here within our family. And if you compare that to Russell Nelson's advice or other um, very vicious cult leaders, there's a lot of these out there. There's a lot of quotes that uh, Duance Ho lined them all up. This is very similar advice to high demand, high pressure and cult tactics, which um, is very alarming. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it says everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very troubling, you know. And the other thing about it is, is that if you think back to Joseph Smith, um, the LDS Church, you know, Joseph Smith was a curious boy who questioned his religion and decided to do extensive research outside of his family and outside of everyone that he knew in search for the truth. Um, well, me, can I do that? LDS Church, no, you can't do that, no. So Joseph Smith, I mean, the entire religion was founded on trying to find truth um, through any means possible. But now, well, no, you can't find truth in any means possible. You can only find truth from the 0.01% of people who are on the covenant path, who are active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Your ability to gain new light and knowledge is extremely limited based on Russell M. Nelson's paradigm. So I, I also think there is this inability to listen from the church because we have the answers now it, it's not even just a just a church thing it's it's what humans do as as soon as you have something to say you've stopped listening because you're just waiting to tell them what you know or what your take is um and, you know and that's normal but we want to be better than that so to be a good listener you have to really hear what someone's saying and you have to you know not just hand someone what you think is a nice parcel of answers and that's okay you're the church isn't here to or shouldn't be here to do that um when you are there is no need to ask questions in the way that joseph smith did because now the church has been restored and all the answers are already here and so you should know that there's no need to want to do more and of course that is not human H humanity asks questions and it is, you know, that's supposed to be one of those godlike traits. And to to take that away from us is something that people will kick back against um, when they have opportunities to do so. And the difficulty is when you're kicking back against an organization, it's yeah, it's that's the depressing part of this. Yeah. Now, one yeah. person fixed one person fixed the meme here of the council. Ooh. Said never take counsel from those who uh, don't believe. Somebody fixed it for us, and um, I think it might be right up your alley, uh, Jane. Says never take counsel from people who protect child molesters. Is that too Amen. harsh? Amen. Amen. 
Now, apparently that is not too harsh. Apparently, I thought that would be right up your alley. Now, the other the other um, thing that came up from the president from from general conference, which I think is very important, is President Nelson. He doubled down on the Joseph Fielding Smith teaching about telestial bodies. And I, I just want to play you uh, this from uh, Julia with Analyzing Mormonism, which has really become one of my favorite channels. She does such incredible yes. sum ups here. Um, let me play this for you and uh, get your reaction about President Nelson's counsel about telestial bodies. What is a telestial body? Let's find out. Said this. Your choices today will determine three things where you will live throughout all eternity, the kind of body with which you will be resurrected, and those with whom you will live forever. Some of you might have asked, what does he mean, the kind of body we're resurrected with? Aren't we all resurrected into perfect bodies? Which is a very reasonable conclusion as it is laid out in Mormon scriptures. In the Book of Mormon, in the Book of Alma, chapter 11, it reads, The spirit and the body shall be reunited again in its perfect form. Both limb and joints shall be restored to its proper frame, even as we are now at this time. Now this restoration shall come to all, both old and young, both bond and free, both male and female, both the wicked and the righteous. And even there shall not as much as a hair of their heads be lost, but everything shall be restored to its perfect frame as it is now. However, according to past Mormon prophets, obtaining this perfect resurrected body is only for those who obtain the highest degree of the highest heaven, also known as the celestial kingdom. In his book, Doctrines of Salvation, Joseph Fielding Smith clarified the teachings of the Book of Mormon. In the resurrection, there will be several classes of resurrected bodies, some celestial, some terrestrial, and some telestial, and some sons of perdition. I take it that men and women will, in these kingdoms, be just what the so-called Christian world expects us all to be, neither man nor woman, merely immortal beings having received the resurrection. Additionally, in his book Answers to Gospel Questions, Joseph Fielding Smith expounded further. Is not the sectarian world justified in their doctrine generally proclaimed that after the resurrection there will be neither male nor female sex? It is a logical conclusion for them to reach, and is apparently in full harmony with what the Lord has revealed regarding the kingdoms, into which evidently the vast majority of mankind is likely to go. If we unwisely choose to live telestial laws now, we are choosing to be resurrected with a telestial body. So we are to understand from Russell M. Nelson and Joseph Fielding Smith that the vast majority of mankind will be resurrected without genitalia. They will instead be more like Barbie and Ken. I do not have a vagina. And he does not have a penis. We don't have genitals. That's okay. Yeah. I have all, all the genitals. Personally, I thought this teaching was abandoned because it shows that gender is indeed not eternal, which is a key foundation to the family, a proclamation to the world, and in the church's position on gay marriage. So, Jane, what a giant mess here. But President Nelson seems to be doubling down on the long forgotten or rarely mentioned LDS doctrine, uh, also known as the Telestial Kingdom Smoothie, the TK Smoothie, which means that you won't have any genitals in the afterlife if you don't pay tithing to the church, if you don't follow the covenant path, and if you don't sustain President Russell M. Nelson as the prophet and the only person authorized to engage in all of the keys. But, you know, this is doctrine that was back in 1965, yes. and it's been long lost, forgotten. But President Nelson, he, you know, he he hasn't given up on these old doctrines that, yeah, if you don't live my law, if you don't pay my tithing, if you drink coffee, if you do anything that I don't want you to do, the, what did he say, food addiction, gambling, if you have any issues in your life, then you won't be resurrected with a celestial body, which if you go back to old doctrine, it means that you won't have any genitals in the afterlife. I mean, this is some pretty far out stuff. There, there is so much that you could dive into with this. It's, uh, I think it's a really exciting and interesting subject. And I, I really get a lot out of living in the question and not sort of having any answers. So this is, this is not going to be necessarily helpful for anyone. 
Julia is incredible, isn't she? Um, the the part at the end where we're talking about gender not possibly gender maybe not being eternal because of the Ken and Barbie doll thing. So gender, what we have learned is that gender doesn't equal genitalia. That there is a it's a much more complex picture, and I would love to. Uh, you know be part of a church that's uh, able to explore that and lean into that because at some point either either gender is sort of eternally fluid and it is not constructed in the way that we see you know people tend to think about it right now predominantly and, and we know there, there are problems with that male female even binary uh, non-binary sort of you know way of looking at gender but what really excites me is that while we could potentially look at how what do we what do we think is that is that really what the Lord has in mind for us because there's some there's some things that we could pull apart with the scriptures there there's also this this uh you know aspect of it where it's it's possible that some uh bodies are as a result of the fall and um, maybe are intersex or are um you know, people who aren't born with the with the correct genitals, and that that gets taken into account in the eternities. So we we had a lot of people um, over at conference, a lot of our trans community were celebrating the fact that, oh, that means in the eternity I don't have to pay for bottom surgery. It's going to happen. This is wonderful news, and you know, and I loved that they were able to reclaim that part of the conversation. I found that really inspiring and. I'd love to know what Russell M. Nelson thought if he ever got to see that meme. But the other more sinister side of it is that we we have this real issue that we know happens over and over again where children are being taught, children are being taught that if you don't fit in this demographic, then there is something wrong or sinful or incorrect about you. And But it's okay that it will be fixed in the next life. And when this life is so damn difficult that's when the next life and throwing yourself on God's mercy and trusting that that you your body at that point will align with how you see yourself is much easier than throwing yourself in the mercy of this church and that is horrific to me so yeah this is a message that can both spark suicidal thoughts and encourage those suicidal thoughts um but I think we have so many possibilities there. I think there is there could be fascinating discussions where we to lean into them. Yeah. Uh, the last thing that I want to cover from the last general conference here before we wrap things up is the uh, temple, the temple updates. You know, they announced 20 temples. And, you know, Jane, for us over here in the United States, there was no temples that were announced in Utah. I can't. Oh, that's a shame. Did you not get a temple? No, we didn't get a, we didn't get a temple in Utah. Scotland hasn't had one for like, three bajillion years so unlucky people welcome to our world yeah uh, and this is a meme from the lord of the rings utah has no new temples utah needs no new temples that's just a joke <laughs> from the lord of the rings you know a couple of other memes because i'm a big meme guy when utah say they don't get a temple shut up about your temples that seems to be you jane that's that's that that's, is exactly me that is me and every one of your damn ancestors we are not <laughs> happy <laughs> it seems like I hit a, hit, hit an accord with you. Yes. 
Yes. Uh, but uh, Nemo, he brought this up that when it comes to uh, you, you found this for us, uh, you know, church leadership has been asking members not to speak publicly about where the temples have been announced. Some people are letting the celestial cats out of the bag, Jane. Uh, dear members of the Broken Arrow Stake, we join you in celebrating the announcement of the temple in Tulsa. We're humbled and grateful, but you need to know that you're not supposed to be talking about temples before they've been announced. We need to keep this as a big surprise, not to, uh, you know, take the legs out from Russell M. Nelson's temple announcements. What are your thoughts on this one, Jane? I, in a lot of ways, I don't get it. And it's only because of this that I had looked at what was happening with Cody. And I, I think I kind of get it a little bit. So I, I don't know if this is news to Mormons. Um, but everyone does not love temples in their area. And it's kind of, I mean, maybe it's just a UK thing. I, I, I don't know. When anyone wants to build a large building on, on an area particularly that used to be full of green space, then people don't want to live next to it. People want to have that maintained. And having a large temple spire dominate the horizon, um, just because Latter-day Saints love to see the temple, everyone doesn't and um so yeah i would expect and what we tend to see is when planning permission is sought for a temple you will then find people who will oppose that but it's in the same way as if i were to apply to have um my home extended slightly one or two of my neighbors probably would have a problem most wouldn't but some would so yeah you're you're going to naturally see that opposition so i'm guessing then this is something that was a lot more coordinated but my understanding of the cody situation is that it got quite the church were kind of behaving in a very bullying manner about that this is what happens when you don't live in the bubble i i guess i kind of need it explained to me a little bit like what is so bad about people knowing because you have to tell people you're going to build a temple at some point right what what is the plan there like when the diggers go in um the plan is to not preempt president nelson from his announcements, because that takes the, I don't know, that takes the spark out of general conference. So some people, you know, because the thing about it is that the, the temple committee inside of the church is very large and, and they're bidding on properties. They're surveying the properties. When the church representatives come out to your area, you, people know when the church is going to be building these temples. And some people in Tulsa and other places have let the cat out of the bag to media saying we're getting a Mormon temple in our area. And the uh, leadership in those uh, the area presidencies have said, no, we don't want you to do that because that takes the steam out of President Nelson's um, uh, that takes the steam out of his hot air balloon. We'll just put it that way. But speaking of memes, a couple last memes here. This President Nelson announced 2000, you know, he announced uh, 20 temples in 2023. And I can only imagine that if he's still around in another 20 years, announcing another 200 temples. But hopefully all of most of those will be in Utah, Jane. That's what I'm oh, hoping for. Oh, bloody screw the lot of you. This is outrageous. <laughs> yeah, still none in Scotland. No. And, you know, when it comes to, you know, we're, you know, this is from uh, Scooby-Doo, you know, we're building more temples. And then when you take the mask off, you've got the membership crisis. So that's the thing is General <laughs> Conference, they didn't address the fact that uh, membership in in Scotland, in Ireland, in the United Kingdom and across the entire world, membership is going down. And it, it's amusing to see this meme here that, um, you know, it's all under the mask when you pull it away. We never address the membership crisis, but we're sure building a lot more temples. Well, see, you did that really politely, like um, everyone else is like, why do you have so many members that Scotland really needs a temple? <laughs> it's like, oh, um, no, they're still all leaving. Um, but to for people in Ireland, they have to travel um, overnight. This is this is not an easy and they, they have to get a ferry. It's, 
it, there's a big distance there. People in uh, the very, very south of Scotland and the islands, yeah, I mean, we're talking about this is not a convenient journey at all. So, yeah, temple is needed for the members who are there. But realistically, yeah, there, there, there is no one to man this volume of temples, especially as there's a third one that's being constructed in Britain. The problem is, and it's, I think, just to be totally fair, it actually would help in a lot of ways. It, it will it really um, boost the, uh, the the faith and the hearts of the members of the church. Um, so it's, it's not like it would be a totally vain proposition because we have them on every doorstep and that's why we don't have enough people to do it, you know, to, to man temples. We, you know, we, we don't have a lot of people to do it, but it, it definitely would help it as a sticking plaster. The membership is still is still going down. But yeah, um oh but at this rate we're gonna see one on the moon before we get one in Scotland. <laughs> um yeah, that's funny that you mentioned that. Now, Jane, uh what do you have uh planned uh, going forward for twenty first century saints and the Brit Vengers group there? Um I, and uh you're gonna be talking about uh good girls and burlesque. What's going on with her uh, <laughs> what's going on? Oh, okay, so much. So yeah, this is this Sunday night and we have got some of um uh, some burlesque performers uh, who I recently started uh, do, taking classes with. I started doing some burlesque and it is empowering. I've learned so much about shame, uh, body confidence, modesty culture. And that girl there in the posters, actually, this isn't just a graphic, this is an incredible teacher. Um, she, her stage name is Poppy Chessy and uh, she and the girls are going to be with us to talk about some of the things that they have learned. Um, we actually do our classes in a Catholic chapel hall like so like the cultural hall in a catholic church that's where we're doing those classes there's a crucifix on the back wall and uh, and we are owning our bodies so yeah we're going to talk about that um the other really important thing that that we're doing is we're continuing to work on safeguarding and all of the issues around that we are still uh, talking with victims we're still collecting stories of people who have experiences that they would like to share with us and potentially speak with us about. Uh, you can find all of the information that for that on uh, the 21stCenturySaints.org website. Um, we are really excited that this past um, few months we have seen the policies that uh, we were part of working with so many others and trying to implement in the UK. Well, now they're here and they're teething problems. People are trying to get their heads around these new systems, which is exactly what we would expect and also hope to see because that's how we learn. Um, so we've got some information on some of our videos about if you are implementing background checks in your wards, here is how to complete the form. We literally baby step you through that if you're a bishop or um, safeguarding specialist and you, do, you need any support. So the background checks information is starting to come back now for, from the first people in the United Kingdom to have those checks done. And uh, it's a pretty exciting time. All of the training is just beginning to happen. So yeah, we're, we're absolutely thrilled with um, the trajectory of how it's going. And we look forward to seeing this being rolled out across the world. Well, we'll be looking at the Brit Ventures and the 21st Century Saints very closely. I want to thank you, Jane, so much for coming on to the Mormon News Roundup. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you, Davis. I've had a ball. Thanks. This has been such fun. Thank you. I want to give a shout out to Weird Alma on bandcamp.com for this episode's music. And thank you so much for ruminating with me on the Great and Spacious Beehive. And remember, remember, no unhallowed hand can stop this podcast from progressing. So long.
When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, the Mormon Church, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's church is a major victory for Satan. 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 Hey there, brothers and sisters. Thanks for listening to the Mormon News Roundup. And if you are enjoying this show, please consider making a donation. Patreon makes an important contribution to helping us ruminate on the great and spacious beehive here. So thanks so much to everyone for for supporting us on patreon.com.